0: Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway, so whether a friend, a family member, or peer,
1: give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I
0: to nominate the women of influence in your life today.
1: But people don't think of Kirkland's as a generic brand. They just think of it as a brand in the same way that Trader Joe's. They don't think of it as a lesser than or like, you know, watered down version of what you can get at Whole Foods.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's kind of the point that I'm making here. And maybe it's the point that's supporting the data that you presented, which is that there's been a huge shift here. And so if there's anyone out there who is still kind of holding on, it's like you're, you're actually on the tail end, right? You're, you're actually in the minority now, right? So you might have been the kind of person that viewed those as lesser than, right? But I'm also willing to bet that you probably haven't done a taste test. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julie,
1: And I'm Kirsten. And today we're talking about the grocery wars All right. or just trying to break down what the heck is happening with the grocery industry. Right. But first, before we dive in, please rate and review the Rich and Regular podcast wherever you listen to the show. And I want to give a shout out to SJ Dula. Shout out. Yes. SJ Dula left a review entitled, Finally, Something Relatable. And they say they stumbled across the show after seeing it on our InstaCousin for Better or worse oh, Instagram up. page. And they are extremely thankful that they saw it there. They said we are welcoming, relatable and engaging while delivering complex topics in a way that anyone can understand. All right. I guess they live up to the name of the show. I encourage you to subscribe and listen to the knowledge they're dropping on the show. Keep up the great work.
0: I, I have a career in copyright.
1: Thank you, SJ Zilla.
0: I appreciate that.
1: All right, so grocery wars. Like, how come, first of all, how come whenever marketers want to coin something, they always want to use war language? Yeah, we love a war. Yeah, we love a war. The war on talent. Yes. The war on whatever. <laughs> well, there've been several. Yes.
0: Yeah. So it, it's a convenient metaphor, I think, just to kind of help people understand that like these big corporations are at war, if you will, for our attention. But when it comes to food, I think as someone who has like spent a good bit of my career in the food industry and has an intimate understanding of it all, I'm happy about this particular war because the implications go beyond just which company or groups will end up on top. I think it dictates the types of foods that we see in our stores. It dictates the foods that end up on our dinner tables and so on. And basically like the stores that we choose as a result of all of this competition going on, the stores that we choose as consumers set the tone for what we consume Mm. and also like has a huge impact on our wallets. So if we don't buy it, or if we like push back or like, you know, just don't go for whatever it is that they're offering it. Like all of it, I think has a really, really big impact on our lives on a lot of different ways. And the last thing I'll say is around grocery wars. I, and I didn't think about this until we started preparing for this particular episode is I'd actually did a whole project on grocery wars. It had to have been, I know it was like my last year in grad school, but it was because like. Whole Foods at the time was like really making a name for itself. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that people were saying like, wait a second, there's this new entrant, you know, yeah. that, that as opposed to just the, I guess, more typical mainstream brands that people are more familiar with. It was like this new kid on the block. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, one, I'm getting old. And two like, wow, this has been happening at different levels and at different points in time for quite a while. So now this is like another version, I think, of the Grocery Wars or a continuation of it.
1: Yeah, I think the first time I ever heard the term was probably five or six years ago, and that was back when Amazon acquired Whole Foods because as an outsider looking in, I think we were all just like, what on earth is Amazon doing? Yeah. And at the time, I think they were just looking to expand into more in-person retail experiences, and they emphasized grocery because while Walmart was stealing that share of wallet and becoming a really viable yes. competitor. And at the end of the day, there's no retailer that Americans visit more than grocery stores. You're right. And so, even as you were setting up the episode, I'm starting to think like, man, what if the grocery stores that we know and love, like Kroger or Harris Teeter, wherever you are, become the new Sears, where they just get rolled into big yeah. mega stores? Yeah. So anyway, more on Americans and their grocery store habits. According to the Time Use Institute, the average grocery store trip takes 41 minutes. So if you multiply that by Hmm. the one and a half trips that Americans make on average, which I don't know how you make a half trip, but one and a half trips is about the average number of times that Americans go to the grocery store. That's over 53 hours a year that is spent in the grocery store and, you know, I feel wouldn't like I want... should
0: know that stat, but I, I'm I'm in a different yeah I don't I don't nearly.
1: You don't think it takes you 41 minutes
0: in total? Like that's including <laughs> to get there and to come back. I'm normally in the store for around 20 20 minutes. Oh wow! In and out. I'm well, you're very a pro. efficient. Yeah, yeah, I'm very efficient in grocery stores.
1: Yeah. Well, going back to Amazon and their acquisition of Whole Foods, in just five short years, they have kind of used their tech advantage to do some incredible things in the space. You know, we talked about Amazon One ID a few episodes ago, but they've also really just done some foundational work like opening more stores. I think they've opened at least 60 new stores and they've opened up what they call dark stores, which don't allow customers to come in. They just stores that focus on online fulfillment.
0: Yeah, I have some thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, and through that, they've improved both the delivery and the pickup options. They've given special discounts to Prime members. They've expanded their private label collection to compete on price with some of the big dogs and so on a lot of ways you can say that there's always been some friendly competition, like you said, but when Amazon fired that first shot and added that tech enablement, that made things like the war, war (laughs) that we're hearing about now.
0: Yeah. So let me, let me just take a step back. Cause as I was thinking about this, uh, you know, and and I, I, I'm pretty clear I live in a bubble at this point, right? Like I'm I'm not even, (laughs) I clearly live in a bubble, but I I wanted to take a step back here to, to help listeners understand why we actually think this is important and i think it's important to actually use a completely different industry that i think better sets the stage for why i think this particular conversation is so important so i want to say about 20 years ago if you were in the market to buy a car and someone recommended a kia you might have been justified in just like laughing at them or being like yeah like thanks but no thanks right, right. Like they were not the brand du jour right they were largely considered a cheap poorly designed and like an unreliable car relative to a Toyota or a Honda, which at the time, and still to a certain extent now, are massive players in the auto industry. Well, today, right, 20 some odd years later, that has completely changed. Like In addition to completely redesigning vehicles, breaking into new categories with SUVs and electric vehicles completely like new marketing strategy, like all of the different things, bringing the big players. They've gone basically from being like the auto underdog to the big dog. Yeah, right. To that's your point, true. Like, they are an industry leader. Didn't you say it was like the most stolen car? Yeah, it's the most like stolen that? car. <laughs> Yeah. People are like going out of their way to steal them. Right. So they're, it's, it, it, they've made a complete sort of 180. And so what used to be cheap and considered a low end vehicle is now not so cheap. And it's not considered like mid tier. And depending on the actual category, maybe even upper tier. Yeah. Now the old guard, right? If you think about, well, what would have happened to Toyota and Honda? Well, they've become a little more stale. And in a lot of cases, they've become arguably out of reach in terms of affordability. They're not considered yeah. like your everyday car that the middle-class American or family could have anymore. It's a little too pricey. And now people are looking at KIAs. So for all, value. For, yeah. for value, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of that to say, when you think about what's happening with the grocery wars, I feel like it's kind of similar where you've got all of these newer players, some of which are international brands that are coming into the U.S. market. They're offering things that... Old players have not been able to offer. And as a result, it's shaking things up. It's forcing the companies to compete. And all of these things, I think, have a very real impact on Americans' wallets. So when you think about specifically the grocery wars or a couple of things I would call out one from a consumer standpoint, when we think about food, food is the third largest expense category in most people's budgets behind housing and transportation. So in times like we've experienced over the last couple of years, where you see all of this inflation and it's really like hurting a lot of people's wallets, it's really important that we do some due diligence to make sure that we're not holding on to old or outdated beliefs so that we can make sure that we can try to save as much money as possible without sacrificing quality or any of the health needs that we may have. But on the other side of this, if you look at this from the standpoint of an investor, the fact is grocery stocks have actually outperformed the market last year. So we're recording this in 2023. We're talking about 2022. Yeah, they had a good year. Grocery stocks had a great year, which, you know, as a (laughs) consumer, you're not particularly happy to hear that because you know that you put a lot of money into their pockets. But if you're an investor, you've invested in those stocks, you got that money back or If you had those stocks in, let's say, a mutual fund of your choice, you were able to kind of benefit from all of that growth. And so I say all of that to say that if you can't get a grip on the third largest expense that affects your household or most households today, there is very little chance that you'll be able to achieve your financial goals. I feel Very comfortable saying that it is that big of a category. It doesn't go away. And so we really have to make sure that we do our part to make sure that we get a grip on that. And part of it is making sure that we're making good purchasing decisions, which is why we're talking about the grocery wars.
1: Yeah. I mean, the grocery stocks outperformed the market last year, but the industry, the grocery industry is still at a crossroads due to a lot of consumer preferences that have changed, labor shortages, and being left behind in this digital rev- oh, yeah. revolution. It's a lot like the trucking industry, which we talked about a couple of episodes ago. So I want to talk. I want to start by talking about why traditional grocery stores are sort of fighting for their lives. And I think the big reason is because they have lost that precious foot traffic, those 41 precious mi- minutes from people's lives every week. Or- it's,
0: it's big real estate that has not been able to adjust to like a now to your point, more digital world. And so they're struggling just like many retailers, but like they're really feeling the brunt of it, I think.
1: Yeah. So we talked about food inflation and higher prices. And what that has caused is this shift where people started buying groceries from non-traditional retailers. So think warehouses like Costco Mm -hmm. or even superstars like Target and Walmart. In fact, Walmart actually sells more groceries than anything else. So in 2023, grocery sales accounted for almost 60% of Walmart's net sales. When you think of Walmart, you don't think of it as a grocery store, but that's that's where that's where their bread is buttered, right? Wow. And on top of that, studies have also showed that one in five people shop for groceries at dollar chains like Dollar Tree. So while groceries are a somewhat mandatory expense category that isn't going anywhere, people are way more price sensitive, and food costs are what is determining consumer value way more than in other categories, right, regardless of income levels. So there is a consumer research company called Payments, and their research shows that nearly all U.S. households have adjusted the number and types of items that end up in their grocery basket. And 62% of consumers say that the high cost of food has caused them to reduce spending in other discretionary categories, including 60% 60% of those earning more than $100,000 a year and 63% of the middle class earning between fifty dollars and $100,000 a year. Wow. So regardless of how much money you make, you make an adjustments to, to your basket. Sure. Now, on top of all this, you've got the delivery services, which have, again, not only reduced the foot traffic into the stores, but it's also added this mix of professional shoppers that traditional shoppers don't like to see. They don't want to see your Instacart person or your door dasher. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason some of these stores have created dark stores where these people can shop you know, freely, but they're also trying to figure out how to preserve the customer experience but also welcome, you know, the, the shoppers who are delivering groceries to people who don't want to come out of the house.
0: Yeah, these are interesting times for a couple of reasons. One, I'm I'm aging myself because I remember the first time that this became a thing, or at least that, that I remember that this was becoming a thing. And this was uh, Webvan, which was uh, one of those dot-com companies that you know, popped in in, and went bust a little too quickly. But this was, I think, one of the first attempts at grocery delivery. And I don't think it ever really happened here in Atlanta or like in New York. Maybe it did. But like, you know, it was more so like, if I'm not mistaken, like a West Coast thing. But the second thought that I have is that I can certainly reflect back again as a person who does all of the grocery shopping in our home. I can definitely... Say that over the last couple of years, I, I I've seen this difference in grocery stores. Where really. like you're there, and pretty much like every other time, I can look around and see like, oh, that's someone with uh with with that shirt on that, and they represent that company, or they're with Instacart, or this person's with DoorDash. Like they are, there are a lot of people who are out there. Whereas back in the day, it was mostly just the people who are actually consuming the food. Now, to your point, there are a lot more shoppers there. I didn't know that people didn't like that, but you know new day, new time. I can also say that I remember as I think back to some of the big shifts that I've made. So I remember when we made the shift from shopping exclusively at Publix to shopping exclusively at Whole Foods. And I remember like the thought process and like, making the trade-off and understanding that I was paying more, but also like more so focusing on the, the perceived benefits yeah. of that decision. And then I also remember, uh, what was it, last year where we made the decision it was like, you know what, I don't know that the benefits are there anymore. And this was also like at the peak of like a lot of the critique when it comes to Whole Foods because people were, I think there was one particular joke about like asparagus water. It was like, why in the world <laughs> would people pay four dollars for like a cup of water with a sprig of asparagus in it. Like all these little things I think were upsetting people. But all of that to say, for a lot of people, the underlying motivation for why they would make that shift is going to boil down to like this combination of value, which is like how much I'm paying relative to the quality or the perceived quality of what I'm getting. And I definitely remember going through that process. And for me, the big change was that, you know, just doing a taste test and saying, I don't know that we need to pay a 40% in some cases, premium for staples, for things that I don't right. really care about. Like, sure, I, I eat kidney beans every now and then, but I don't know that I need to have like name brand <laughs> unblemished kidney beans or celery, baby carrots, baby carrots. like some of these things <laughs> that were which, which, which occupied, you know, a significant percentage of what we were spending our money on. I was like, you know what? It's actually worth the inconvenience, if you will, To buy some of those core things affordably without sacrificing quality and then treating a lot of those other stores as a bit of a specialty store. And psychologically, I can see how that might impact a lot of people, but I think making that decision is a really, really important one. And I think when it comes to like a lot of our listeners or people out there who might be feeling the squeeze, this is really important because, you know, we all have an opportunity to do that. And when you think about all the things that are happening right now that are squeezing our budgets, we really owe it to ourselves to revisit some of these pre-existing beliefs or, in some cases, outdated perspectives. And trust me, I've been there. I've been that person that says, like, I'm not shopping there, or I'd never go there, or I don't like the way that store feels. The reality is that store might have been redesigned two or three times mm-hmm. since the last time you've been in there. And I think that's ultimately a result of these grocery wars because they're really trying hard to make up for the things that they didn't do well, which means I think for us, you have an opportunity or at least a chance to go see what you might've been missing. Yeah. And you might be able to say, hey, actually, I really, really like this store now. And as a result, I'm going to switch. And that might have a huge impact on your budget.
1: Yeah. So to recap, grocery stores were already vulnerable. And then Walmart and Amazon, who are both known for putting specialty retailers and mom and pop business out to pasture, enter the chat. Right. So that's where we are. Luckily, the industry is not ready to die on the vine just quite yet. So they are fighting back and we're going to talk about what they're doing in the short term and then what they're doing in the long term. So in the short term, one of the more obvious ways they're trying to win you back is by expanding their footprint. So if you've been following the news, you saw that Aldi acquired Winn-Dixie, which expanded their store count by some 400 stores, mostly in Florida. And Kroger is actually looking to acquire Albertsons. Now, that deal has been pending for a while. But the leadership team at Kroger says that it'll be locked in by 2024. Okay. So don't be surprised if that happens. Wow. Now, obviously, getting more stores under your brand means that there's a greater likelihood that, you know, you as a customer will come to one of their stores versus driving out of the way to somewhere else. But it also gives them more price flexibility and there's just strength in numbers. You know, at the end of the day, these specialty stores are going to have to punch above their weight if they want to compete with Walmart, who has 4,500 stores, like a big footprint, while they only have like a thousand stores. And that's generous, like give or take a few hundred because a lot of them have less than a thousand stores.
0: And they're getting really creative. Again, Aldi, Aldi is is our <laughs> store of choice these days. And one of the things that they did, which I think was earlier this summer that I thought was really cool, they launched a merch line. Yeah. Like I saw they, that. they took advantage of like so much of their cult fandom.
1: To was, get people in the stores.
0: Yeah. Or, or just you couldn't like, order listen. it online. Yeah, yeah. It was like really and it was good looking. So it looked yeah, it, was cute. it looked like a, like a like an Adidas summer collection or yeah. something like that. I had bucket hats, <laughs> flip flops, like it was a whole thing. It was really, really cool. And it was the first time I'd ever even saw that. I was like, actually I would I would rock that. <laughs> They didn't have it in my store. I couldn't find it. Otherwise, I would have bought it. Anyway, the other thing that I thought was interesting is that at large, grocers are also really trying to work their way into the digital technological space. And I think when you think about food, right, like grocery stores, I think, are really kind of behind. You alluded to it earlier. But like when you think about the role that fast food restaurants or, you know, some of the places we go to, Chipotle or Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Like the app is now actually like a part of the experience and we have no qualms about using it. But when you think about grocery stores, like, I don't know that a lot of people even really think about the apps. And so they are, as a result, really missing out on great ways to communicate and build connection, make unique offers. And those are some of the things that we are seeing are coming out as part of this grocery wars now. So a lot of them are really investing uh, heavily into that. And there are tons of reasons for this. First is that there are just flat out limitations to the reach of a printed coupon, right? Uh, like yeah. there's a delay between when they print. You got to print them like, yeah. I get it. Not to knock it, but like a lot of people still use printed coupons, but there are clear limitations to that versus doing it in a digital format.
1: Especially for the ones that are in store. Like there's no incentive for you to come in the store if you don't get the coupon Correct. until you arrive. Correct. Versus having it on your phone, a push notification, like, yeah. hey, come in, we've got watermelons. And, and, and for,
0: <laughs> I don't know why that was your example, but, but, Even when you think about the fact that, yeah, we talk about this now, right? We're we're pretty tech savvy, right? So when we go to some of these restaurants, we use the app, we're looking at everyone else like, why why isn't everyone using the app, right? So this is going to take some time for everyone to get caught up. But this is one of the things that we know that they're doing. The second one is, and it's kind of tied together, is that they're leaning into using more digital coupons. And the reason for this is to actually drive more store traffic instead of using like paper mailers or ads or things that you can only get like in the store. And the last thing, which is kind of like wrapping up the first two is that it just gives them a greater opportunity to receive immediate feedback on what's working and what's not versus a printed coupon. You can print out a coupon, send it out to thousands of households and you got to wait a month to collect that data and see when something expires. Whereas if it's digital, like a text message or a prompt, 24 hours, you can come in and save $10 or something like that. You get much quicker feedback. And again, like we're in a relationship here, right? The better that they serve us, the better we serve them, the more feedback we get, the more savings and so on. Now, in addition to the big players like the wall of the world, now you've got this other little wild card in related news, which was that Instacart IPO. Now, Instacart, which was a pandemic darling. Oh, yeah. And
1: like, like everybody me, was so excited.
0: Y- yes. Like,
1: <laughs> I don't know that there's been another venture back startup that was going public that has gotten people so excited yeah. other than Instacart. Yeah. Like maybe Uber. Maybe Zoom, Zoom, but like <laughs> yeah, but again, <laughs> there's only a category.
0: There was a moment where it was like it was a lifesaver. It was the oh, thing man. that people felt comfortable doing, and you know, more comfortable doing. I would say, yeah. especially during the early days of the pandemic. But all of that to say, it IPO, the stock was high and then quickly fizzled. As I mean, quickly,
1: yeah, <laughs> because
0: orders like have declined in the short term. People feel a little bit more comfortable going to the stores themselves, and of a wider variety of reasons. But all of that to say, like the long term projections still look positive. In fact, over the next five years, Online grocery sales are projected to enjoy a compounded annual growth rate of 11.7%. And Instacart will certainly benefit from that. But its ability to even go public, I think, signals a sense of demand for that service. And even Instacart is fighting back as they've expanded their retail partners to include places like Dollar Tree and have addressed adding new services that they didn't quite have before, like 15 minute delivery, which sounds insane. But again, because of the nature of their model, and them expanding into more places, which is basically just stores of inventory where they can just deploy people to go buy them. It it really sort of shows like the value that they can provide. And again, I think speaks to this larger conversation about like, what are we going to do? What does the process of getting groceries going to look like for people in the short term? What is the cost associated with that? Does it add convenience to our lives, and like all of those things together, is a part of what we're calling these grocery rules. What well, we're not calling it that, but
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Instacart thing is a is definitely a wild card because you know, ideally they can change the way that people shop for groceries now that people have to go back to work. For sure. Instacart can do your shopping for you, have it delivered to your office and you can just go on home to the kids and the or family and start cooking. Or have it waiting for you at home. Or right? have it waiting like, for, right for you your, at home. Do- yeah. Your
0: doorstep, you can, you can time it. Like, yeah. It's, it's a game
1: changer. All right. So another thing that grocers are doing is focusing on their private label brands, or as we call them, the store brands. So they're improving the quality and also enhancing the marketing and the merchandising of these brands in stores. When we talked about doing mid-year reviews, I think that was episode 121, we kind of talked about how national brands like PepsiCo were kind of getting greedy with their pricing yeah. and more companies were basically willing to take a hit on sales volume in exchange for higher prices. Yeah which was great for them, but not necessarily for the grocer or for the consumer. So now the grocers have started using that against them. And if you go into stores now, you'll actually see the name brand product, but like right next to it, you're going to see a big sign that basically says, you know, here's the same thing, but less. And it's the store brand They're not subtle at all. Yeah, no. It's like, like, why would you do this? Why would you do that? When you can, (laughs) why would you do that when you can do this? Yeah, and it's working. So again, this is a research heavy episode, but according to Attest, which is another consumer research platform, they reported that 73% of consumers have acquired a taste for private label brands and have no intention of returning back to expensive national brands. Wow. 73%. Wow significant. That's the majority, like by a long shot, (laughs) 73%. Now the survey also found that lower pricing was four times more effective than special offers and promotions in terms of motivating customers. And most of the customers said that they would buy a product if it were discounted by at least 20%. So that's the easy, again, price is that determining factor, where it's like brand is in there, it's in the mix, but like, Price is the thing that's motivating customers in a grocery store.
0: Yeah, I'm going to add to your stats here because I found a similar one here and it was around private labels, but basically says that private label sales account for 77.5% of sales at Aldi, 59.4% of sales at Trader Joe's, 494 at Wegmans, and 335 at Costco. And what I find interesting about that is that when I hear the word Costco, I almost immediately think private label brand. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to me to know that you have all of these other competitors out there who actually a significant or much larger percentage of their sales is actually driven from private labels. Relative to the one that is actually known, at least in, in in my you know sort of purview, like these are the brands that um, private label brands, Kirklands, for example, yes, yeah. well known for Costco. But I, I'm sharing. But that people don't say, think
1: of Kirklands as a generic brand; they correct. just think of it as a brand in correct. the same way that Trader Joe's. They don't think of it as a lesser than correct or like you know watered down version correct. of what you can get at Whole Foods. Yeah. And, and I think that's,
0: that's kind of the point that I'm making here. And maybe it's the point that's supporting the data that you presented, which is that there's been a huge shift here. And so if there's anyone out there who is still kind of holding on, it's like you're, you're actually on the tail end, right? You're, you're actually in the minority now, right? So you might have been the kind of person that viewed those as lesser than, right? But I'm also willing to bet that you probably haven't done a taste test and maybe you have on one or two things. And I think that's perfectly fine. If you're a big fan of, I'm just making it Oreos, up. Oreo cookies, and you absolutely Versus chocolate
1: sandwich which, cookies, which
0: I can totally get, right? Like, there's a big difference between an Oreo and a chocolate sandwich cookie, the chocolate wafer <laughs> cookie with cream filling. This it, it, is a big difference, but it doesn't mean that it's not good. Oh yeah, right? because I think you even have a preference, you developed a preference for the store uh, Yes, brand I like the
1: store brand better. over
0: the Oreo, right? So it's interesting. So. All of that to say, a lot has changed. And it really makes me think of uh, Payless. I'm going to switch gears again, because I know a couple of years ago, they had, uh, at least they went viral for And it was a publicity stunt, but it worked. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, where they had that fake shoe company. They created,
0: yeah, they created a, a luxury store in a mall called Palessi. Looked like, a, like an Italian <laughs> luxury brand that no one had ever heard of. And they invited all these influencers to come to the store and try on the shoes and they were recording it all. Like, what do you think? And how much would you pay for this? And everyone was like, Oh my gosh, like 300, 400. And then at the end, they were like, well, surprise, surprise. This is really all from Payless. You know <laughs> what I mean? And it's all the same thing. And I think again, like this is, this is part of what's happening in broader culture, right? So we've spoken about it from a standpoint of cars. I just gave the example with a standpoint of like fashion and shoes. And we're seeing it happening in real time when it comes to food. And I think all of that to say this is a sign of not necessarily the time but definitely a sign of shifting values and I think if, if you are holding on to those outdated beliefs like now hopefully you can just go ahead and join the crowd. like this yeah. is the definitive time where it's like you know what like it's happening in all things go ahead and save yourself 30 to 40 percent and switch to the chocolate cream cookies <laughs> this seems like a time to take a quick break so we're going to do that and be right back with a little bit more on Grocery Wars Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges, and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD.
1: Okay, so to recap, in the short term, grocery stores have expanded to new locations through acquisitions and just Remodels and expanding their footprint. They've improved the in-store experience. They've partnered with tech companies to get their products in more people's hands. And they focused on their store brand, private label brands. Now, when we think about long-term, they're actually doing a lot of the things that every other industry is doing. No surprise there. So one, they're making investments in AI to help with the labor shortage. So, you know, get used to more self-checkouts and (laughs) innovative payment processing. Like, you know, demonstrate With Amazon One ID, but they're also creating reskilling programs and offering tuition reimbursement to attract human workers and retain them for longer. So it's not, you know, they're going to go full robot. They're actually trying to preserve the people who are in the industry now who have like unique knowledge that benefits the stores and, and customers. They're also making some strategic investments in the delivery space. So they know it's not going anywhere and they're working on automation for online grocery store orders. And so studies have shown that an automated fulfillment process is actually 20 times faster than manual picking on a sales floor. So, you know, stores that are designed for you to wander around aren't the most effective to fulfill online orders. So they've started to figure out how to automate that and kind of take it off site. They're also looking really closely at their margins and food waste and realizing that they could increase their profits by adopting the same practices that airlines and hotels use, which is dynamic pricing. So, like, imagine. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, have you? I, I have. Go ahead. So, your point. <laughs> so imagine walking by two baskets of avocados and the ones in the front are ripe and need to be eaten in like the next, you know, 13 seconds. You know, avocados don't last long. Right. They need to be eaten immediately and the rest of them in the second basket can sit for a few days. Well, the ones that are in the front might be, you know, a dollar cheaper than the ones that can sit for a few days. That is is dynamic pricing where instead of there being a fixed price the price moves based on inventory supply and demand and when you think about food waste 119 billion pounds 119 billion pounds of food gets wasted every single year and so if grocery stores could use ai and technology to adjust the prices for things that are perishable they could really save a lot of money and they're realizing that so You know, just to be clear, this is not like the clearance bins that you see today where things are about to expire and they put it in a bin. These are, you know, those types of things are discounts that are only done at the beginning or the end of the day. Dynamic pricing, the price would be changing throughout the day based off of new information.
0: So I have seen just about every single one of these things in, in real time. Right. So our local sprouts, which. You know, when we first moved to the neighborhood that we were in, we would go there and then we just kind of fell out of love with it. And I just got annoyed with that brand really, really quickly. No <laughs> offense to anyone that shops at Sprouts. But recently when I went back in there, because again, I I, I make a point to revisit these stores because I want to give them a chance because it, it just makes my life easier. It's actually closer than some of my other stores. Long story short, they have completely reinvested in having automated checkout and they've got like the new automated checkout. Uh-huh. Like it's different than some of the other brands. The second thing that I would say that they do is they have a really fancy I don't call them disposable bags, but they're plastic bags, but they're really thick, Mm. high quality plastic bags. And they charge you for every single one that you want. Oh, okay. So they're encouraging you to, hey, if you buy it, that's fine, but it's good enough for you to use. Like it's, it's, I've never seen any other plastic bag like it. And so you've got to enter in the amount that you want to buy from it. So that's a couple of things that I think is, again, a sign of the technological advancements that are happening in real time in these stores. But the second thing that I've seen going back to Aldi is I've seen someone, and it was maybe about two weeks ago. And it was during the day. And I had no idea, but basically, the little price ticker thing, the thing where you see the price, it's not a ticker. It looks like a piece of paper that's behind a piece of plastic. But I realized it was actually designed to look like a piece of paper was in a piece of plastic because I saw someone who worked at the store hold up a device and then they beeped on it and yeah. then the price changed.
1: Yeah. It's and digital. So if, I,
0: if I was there, gosh, a minute earlier, I would have paid one thing. Two minutes afterwards, like I would have paid a completely different price. Yeah, and I was completely blown away by that. Like I knew this happened, and people take inventory, but I've never actually seen a price change in in real real time.
1: Listen, I used to work at Target, and we used to have to print the paper price changes and then go out and and and, swap them them out. out. No,
0: they just held up their phone. It must have been like Bluetooth, based Mm. on whatever inputs or guidance was being done. And I would imagine that the next. Upgrade to this is that you don't even need to hold anything up. It just sort of it changes it in real time because mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. The, if the store is connected to the Wi-Fi, it's connected to the inventory system, blah, blah, blah. So all of that to say, like when we talk about AI, this is a big conversation because it's like all of these things kind of converging into one that are having very real impacts on People, But ultimately, I want to try to keep us focused here. This is about the grocery wars, all of the different things that they're doing. And ultimately, we're trying to encourage as many people as possible to revisit old beliefs, go to old stores, check twice, you know, just to make sure that you're not missing out on something.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think we've given the people a lot in this episode a lot to think about. So we did want to leave y'all with a couple of tips to help you put all of this good insight into action. And as always, report back on your findings. Like always shoot us a note or DM us or whatever it is to tell us like, what you found during your explorations. Yeah. So the first tip is to start shopping at multiple places. You got to redefine what loyalty and convenience means to you. Maybe sleep around with a few stores before you decide to marry one, you know, shop like a European and get a little bit here and a little bit there. You know, it might actually be easier to separate your grocery list into dry goods or non-perishables and then, you know, produce and fresh Foods on a different list because yeah. you'd be surprised how many of your dry goods are actually accessible beyond a grocery store for a far more affordable rate. Yes. And how much more comfortable you might feel adding those to a digital cart than you would like your produce. Cause you know, we all know that <laughs> there's some challenges when you ask someone else to pick out your produce. Yeah. Like people still like to. I have, have no
0: problem asking someone to pick up sandwich yeah. bags, paper towels, Correct.
1: beans, yeah. and cereal. Yeah.
0: Big difference if I need you to pick out bananas, kale, oranges, you know. Yes, exactly. I'm trusting that you understand my preferences here. Please don't bring me yellow or green bananas.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think the good news is that now that Instacart, you know, has gone public, they have a lot of competition and you may actually be able to weigh the cost of gas versus like just paying for delivery, especially if there are specialty stores that are in your neighborhood, but not within you know, the range that you feel comfortable driving to. Like there's yeah. not really a Trader Joe's that's super close to us, but if they have something that makes sense, then delivery fee might be worth paying someone else to bring it to me. Right. Uber also offers grocery delivery, you know, there's store dash, and then there are several others, including the stores themselves. So just double check to see what delivery options are available to you. And if they're running a special to attract new customers, because that's the space that we're in, everybody wants, a little bit of your wallet. Now for the places that you do frequent regularly, make sure that you sign up for their newsletter or their text message marketing or whatever it is so that you're prepared and aware of any sale items or specials that they may send. To your point about them using more digital marketing, like you gotta gotta opt in for that. Like they're not just gonna (laughs) send it to you automatically. So sign up for whatever they have.
0: I completely agree. Um, Let me add a couple of extra tips here. Uh, One, since you were talking about specials, Look, just because it's on sale doesn't mean that it's a deal, right? Like if you have no plan to actually use it, just don't buy it because it just adds to like more stuff in your house, especially if you don't really know what to do with it or how to cook it or how to store it. And so make sure you're really just like focusing on buying the things that you know for a fact that you know how to store and how to use. second thing, and this is around spices because, you know, I got a thing about people like buying spices, I, I'm pretty sure that there's probably some data on this that people buy spices maybe like three times in their lives. <laughs> it's like I buy it for the beginning of the decade and then you just never run out you, of it. You,
1: you use so little of it.
0: You use so little of it, right? Like you buy and it looks like it's just, you know, a tiny, like two or three ounces. But if you're only doing a couple shakes, it's going to take you about a year and a half before you get to the bottom of it. So while it might be easier for you, and I'm not talking about like salt and pepper, but like, no. you know, Smoked paprika. Yeah. Unless you're Spanish or something like that, you're probably not using a lot of smoked paprika. My point is avoid buying certain things in bulk that you know you're not going to be able to consume. Or if you know that you're just going to end up like either eroding your inventory space, whether it's in your fridge or your freezer or your pantry, like buy the things that you need in the amounts that you need unless you know that you've got some other way to preserve its freshness or to actually use it. That's one of the best tips that I could offer. Speaking of which, I think there are always the freezer lovers out there and I'm a freezer lover myself. But what I also know is that freezer lovers kind of treat their freezers like a magical place where all of the things that they just don't want to throw away go, as opposed to it being a place where you can and will eventually pull things out and actually use. So, do yourself a favor, go through your freezer, see what you've already saved, especially if you've got one of those deep freezers and like it's filled to the brim. Like you've got a lot of food in there. So either throw it away or start actually using it because it's not going to be suspended in time forever. Shop your freezer first. Shop your freezer first. And I think that's one of the best things that you can do if you have one. And if you don't have one, make a friend who has one. (laughs) It it, it doesn't bother them to just add something into their freezer.
1: Yeah. Now, if you do have room in your freezer, in terms of specials, you want to take advantage of any BOGOs, buy one, get one free, and then kind of freeze the difference using a food saver. So that's one way that you can kind of take advantage of additional space and additional specials for things that you know you're going to use. Another tip is to do your research and see if any of your cashback cards or other rewards cards are going to give you extra points for grocery or have any special offers for memberships, things like that. That's always a good place to save a few dollars, assuming that you can pay the balance off in full every month. It's a great place to save a few dollars. And you can kind of think of these little offers or cashback rewards as like another form of a coupon.
0: I love it. All right, well, this seems like a good point to wrap it up and offer some final thoughts. So, what do you got? All
1: right, my final thought is just reinforcing something that you already said, which is to leave room for trial and error. You know, I've seen people write off whole grocery chains <laughs> or stores because they've had a negative experience that was unrelated to the food itself or even the cost savings, right? So, We've outlined some of the challenges that the industry is facing, and we barely even touched the surface of bigger, more existential threats like supply chain shortages or crop failures due to climate change. Oh but the, <laughs> the point is, every experience isn't going to be a 10 out of 10. So if you try a discount store or a delivery service and it doesn't meet your expectations, Give them the feedback and maybe even hit pause and trying it again for a while, but don't just automatically dismiss it because the data suggests that that's where we're moving. So, you know, these companies are trying to figure it out and we're along for the ride.
0: I can completely agree with that because i have been that person and i've come full circle so kudos to you my final thought is that yes inflation has cooled a little bit over the last few months or at least at the time of this recording which is early october 2023 but a lot of us are still playing like budget whack-a-mole a a little bit so like (laughs) one thing goes down and then a few other things pop up somewhere else food is actually one of those unique categories in that it's not going anywhere right it's not like a home or car, which you can actually pay off. You will always have to buy food because you will always have to eat food. So the decision of who you choose to shop with is a huge one. So if you chain yourself to a store, you might realize that simple decision to not shop anywhere else has cost you hundreds of dollars a month. So while I'm not a fan of giving people free reign to go shopping, in this case, I do think it is worthwhile. So shop your competitors, maybe add an extra 15 minutes to your outing the next couple of times to go to the other one just to walk the aisles, Mm -hmm. see what they have to offer, see um, if you can save any money. And that little thing, that simple decision might be the huge difference maker in your long-term financial plans. Ooh,
1: interesting. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and regular podcast presented by success. If you like what you heard and we've given you some food for thought, please take some time to leave us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week.